Think about the last time you went on a vacation. Did you purchase any souvenirs or small mementos from your trip? These little tokens, such as t-shirts, magnets, or postcards, usually aren't made well and are generally overpriced, but their quality and value are not why we buy them. We are drawn to them because they often conjure memories or feelings about what made the trip special. Hi, I'm Adam Burton, and I'm the pastor at Central Baptist Church in Maysville, Kentucky. This is my weekly online Bible study, where we walk through the entire Bible, looking at how all of Scripture points to Jesus. The material comes from the Gospel Project, and this week's session is a place for God's presence. As we read through the book of Exodus, we may wonder how the Lord could dwell with His people when they were so quick to doubt Him, to grumble against Him and worship idols. How could a holy God be with such sinful people? And why would He want to? Israel did not deserve God's presence. But despite their sin, with mercy and compassion, God promised that He would continue to be present with His people, just in a yet-to-be-constructed tent. As God moved in their hearts, the people of Israel took up God's blueprints for this tabernacle and got to work. The tabernacle would be a long-term, life-size souvenir, a constant reminder of God's presence among them. In this session, we will trace the construction of the tabernacle, God's place of dwelling among His people. We will see that God provided the resources for the tabernacle and moved in the hearts of His people to obey the instructions He had given them through Moses. Then we will see that when their work was done and completed according to God's plan, God came to dwell with His people. However, we will also see that God had a better way to dwell with His people, a way that was realized in the person of Jesus Christ. Our first point is that God provides the resources for the tabernacle by moving in the hearts of His people. God provides the resources for the tabernacle by moving in the hearts of His people. In Exodus chapter 35, Moses kicked off the building campaign for the tabernacle by asking for an offering. Everyone whose heart was willing brought their precious metals, fabrics, stones, and other resources for use in the construction of the tabernacle and its furnishings, and they kept giving. Read with me Exodus chapter 36, verses 2 through 7. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman whose, in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. And they, and they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, The people bring much more than enough for the, doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. The Israelites weren't wealthy people. Yes, I mean, they, they left Egypt with gold and jewelry, but this was given to them by the Egyptians at God's prompting. When Moses asked the people to give their possessions to the Lord for his tabernacle, they didn't give because they had so much they'd never miss anything. They gave because God had been at work in their hearts. God was changing them. 
After worshiping an idol and coming face to face with God's wrath over sin, they experienced God's mercy and grace. Not only did the people receive the punish, did not receive the punishment they deserved, they received what they didn't deserve, a restored relationship with God. When the people gave toward the building of the tabernacle, it was because they knew the freedom and gratitude that, that, that come from a heart changed by God's grace. Their giving was a response to God's goodness and favor, not an attempt to earn it. That was why they gave until they had given beyond all that was needed, because that was how God had given to them. Think about this question. What are some ways grace has changed your heart? Because the the people gave in response to the grace they, they had been given. Each piece of gold, each gem, and each yard of fabric was surely given willfully and cheerfully. Nothing was given out of compulsion. In fact, verse 3 says they gave a free will offerings. The people saw the opportunity to be part of what God was doing, to supply the items needed to complete the tabernacle so they could experience God's dwelling with them in a new way. Did God need the people to give so His tabernacle would be established? Certainly not. The God who created and sustains the world doesn't need a single thing from His creatures. Yet, He was kind to invite His people to be part of His work, to give freely and with joy. And He does the same for us. I mean, imagine a parent inviting a young child to help change a tire. Would the parent need the child's help? Could the child provide strength or experience in the aid of the work? Of course not. The parent does not invite the child to help because the child is needed. The parent invites the child to help for the sake of relationship. Similarly, God invites us to be part of His work by giving our time, our abilities, and our finances to Him. The Lord calls His people to give because our possessions don't rule our lives. He does. The giver of all good things has willfully and cheerfully given all that we need. And we respond by giving our possessions, our hearts, and our lives to Him as a grateful sacrifice for His glory in the good of Christ's body, the church. When we give in response to God's work in our hearts, we grow in our likeness to Christ who gave His life for us. Here's another question to think about. How does the gospel show us God's generosity? God sent His one and only Son, into the world to be tempted, tried, and killed so that we might be saved. Though our sin debt to God is infinite, God generously paid it all Himself through Jesus on the cross. By revealing Himself to us in Christ, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. God has given His Holy Spirit to dwell in believers in Christ so they know they are saved and are powerfully aided in the Christian life. Our second point is that God builds the tabernacle through the obedience of His people. God builds the tabernacle through the obedience of His people. Exodus chapters 25 through 30 describe in great detail how God designed the tabernacle to be constructed. And in Exodus chapters 36 through 39 records how God's people obeyed His commands. God's internal work within the hearts of His people was evidence in their external work on the tabernacle He had prescribed. Read with me here, Exodus chapter 39, verses 42 and 43. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the people of Israel had done all the work. 
And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, so they had done it. Then Moses blessed them. God told Moses in Exodus chapter 31 that he had given Bezalel and Aholiab and other artisans unique skills and to plan, needed to plan and accomplish the work of the tabernacle according to God's standards. In Exodus 36 verse 2, Moses summoned all of these people to come and do the work, and they did so willingly. The tabernacle's construction from start to finish was a work of God and for God. These artisans all responded to God's prompting in their hearts, and they obeyed Him. They handcrafted the Ark of the Covenant, the altar, the lampstand, the curtains, the priest's special clothing, and more. Yet even with the wisdom and skill needed to construct the tabernacle, the builders didn't receive glory or special recognition. The tabernacle wasn't about them or the excellence of their work for their own sake. It was not intended to show off the handiwork of these artisans, but to show the significance of what it meant for God to come and dwell with his people. What God did for the construction of the tabernacle is also true of the church. The church is the work of Christ, and it is for him. He formed and builds and leads it, but he also gifts his people for serving the church. This is what Christ has called us to be part of, and it is freeing. For the church rises based on Christ's wisdom and power, not ours. This is what gives us confidence as we serve him and through the, serve him in and through the church. Here's another question. How has God gifted you to serve his kingdom and his church? I mean, we have come, have understand that that the Israelites' obedience in constructing the tabernacle didn't earn God's favor or merit his presence. This was not a test on God's part. God had promised Abraham, Isaac, Israel, and Moses that he would be present with his people, and God always keeps his word. Yet the people's obedience mattered because it showed their reverence for him and their desire to be with him. The thing they wanted most was a guarantee of God's presence. So where the golden calf revealed their disbelief in God's promises, the tabernacle completed according to God's command demonstrated their changed hearts in growing faith. Listen to this quote from Beth Moore. Our obedience does not make God bigger or better than he already is. His essence is unchanged by our obedience or lack of it. Anything God commands of us is so that our joy may be full. The joy of seeing His glory revealed to us and in us. Two major reasons for obedience are that we may become targets of blessing and that He may have the pleasure of bestowing it. While Christians don't build tabernacles, the church is a constant building project. It's one body with many members, each of whom has been gifted by God for a specific purpose in His kingdom. Because God has forgiven us in Christ and His Spirit dwells within us, God picked us, His church, for the job of sharing the good news of forgiveness with those who need it and called them to repent and trust Jesus alone for salvation. Our first essential doctrine this week is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells the church, both individually and corporately. As the temple of the Holy Spirit, we live our lives differently than before, bearing the virtuous fruit that comes only by the indwelling work of the Spirit. 
The indwelling work of the Spirit also equips individual members of the church with gifts for the work of ministry. Our last point is that God fills the tabernacle with His presence. God fills the tabernacle with His presence. By the time we get to Exodus chapter 40, Moses has shown how the Israelites took God's instructions about building the tabernacle and followed them to the letter. Every single thing was done exactly as God had said. Now, with the tabernacle completed and successfully inspected by Moses, the people who desired God's presence more than anything watched as His glory descended on the tabernacle. Read with me here, Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 38. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till that day, till the, till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. God's glory filling the tabernacle demonstrated two important truths to the Israelites. First, God is far too glorious to be contained by a tent. And second, He is still near to His people. The grandeur of God's creation and His commands reminds us of just how amazing He is and the grace He has shown us. This was the message of the tabernacle. God's glory filled it, and for a time, no one, not even Moses, could enter it. But the glory the people were able to see was just a fraction designed to stir their hearts, to move them to understand that their God is bigger and greater than they could ever even conceive. Just as the Lord had led the people out of Egypt with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, He began to lead His people through the tabernacle. The Lord came to His people to dwell among them and to be their God. In Exodus chapters 33 verse 18 through 34 verse 8, Moses asked to see the Lord's glory, and the Lord agreed. But Moses learned that while God reveals Himself to His people in glory, He doesn't reveal himself completely. The Lord said, no one can see his face, see him as he truly is, experience the fullness of his presence, and live. Put simply, we are too small and too limited to understand all that God is. Not even Moses, the man who had talked with God as a friend, as if face to face, could experience God completely. Our next essential doctrine is that God is omnipresent. God's omnipresence refers to His presence in all time and all places simultaneously. Because God exists apart from and outside of time and space, He is not limited by their constraints. He is present with us wherever we are and sees all that occurs. Nothing escapes His attention. God's omnipresence is a deterrent for sin and a source of great comfort and hope for believers. God is too great to be contained by the world, let alone a tent in the desert, but He is still near to His people. This was also the point of the tabernacle. God was in the midst of His people, and the location of the tabernacle further illustrated this, being placed at the center of the camp. 
At the same time, God was near without compromising His holiness. He dwelled in the most holy place, the innermost room, which had a veil that barred sinful humanity's access to holy God. God was near, but His people could not approach Him on their own terms. They could only have access to God through a mediator, through the high priest, entering God's presence on the day of the year to make atonement for the sins of the people himself included. The tabernacle, however, was temporary, assigned to be fulfilled by Jesus, the Son of God who took on flesh and tabernacled among us in glory. Those who believe in him for salvation from sin receive the Spirit of Christ to dwell within them, to teach them to love the Lord, trust him, and obey him. As we grow in depending on God's Spirit, we learn that being near Him changes us from the inside out. Think about this question. How should the truth that God dwells within Christians impact our everyday lives? We should live with humility in the presence of the great God of glory. We should live with gratitude that God has graciously come near to us. We should strive to live in holiness, reflecting on the holiness of God who has saved us from sin in Jesus. The tabernacle provided an anchor for the Israelites in the wilderness. God's people needed to see that God was with them. They were not following a distant God, but a creator who drew near to them. Not because of who they were, but because of who he is. But they saw only part of the picture. In John's vision in Revelation chapter 21, we read that God's dwelling will one day be with humanity forever. The God who has made us for himself will live with us in the fullness of his glory because we will no longer wrestle against sin. No longer will we struggle to obey. God will be with us and we will have been changed completely from the inside out. Because we are the people in whom God dwells, we manifest His glorious presence and bear the fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit so that through faith, Jesus may dwell with others as well. Here are some ways for you to apply God's Word this week. How will the future hope of God living with believers for eternity frame how you live today? In what ways can we live in deeper community with one another and experience God's presence more fully? How can you demonstrate God's presence in your life uh, in, the, in your life to those around you to point them to God's glory in Christ? Would you pray with me, please? Father, you are transcendent and holy, and we are lowly and sinful. Yet you desire to dwell with us and have made us a, made a way to do so. Initially through the tabernacle and more notably through your son, who is called Emmanuel. God is with us. Thank you for the spirit who lives in us so that we might make your presence known to others as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much for participating in my online Bible study this week. Platforms like it when you interact with the content. So would you please like and share and comment on this video? It will help to get the video noticed and maybe even your friends might join us live next week. God bless.